Welcome to this edition of Bosker Presents, presented by Mammoth Sports Construction and CEI Engineering. My name is John Hartwell, and I am the designer behind Hartwell Studio Works, a sports branding shop serving the small college athletics market. Bosker Presents is a monthly series of live webinar conversations featuring athletics leaders discussing topics of importance for the small college athletics community. Our topic today is what coaches need from their ADs with a panel of three coaches from around the world of small college athletics, and we'll meet them in just a moment. Before we begin, we will hear from our sponsors, and we'll start with Lauren, Lauren Moyer, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Mammoth Sports Construction. Lauren. Thank you for the warm welcome, John. Hi, everyone. My name is Lauren Moyer, and as John mentioned, I'm the Director of Strategic Partnerships at Mammoth Sports Construction. I'm proud to be representing Mammoth today and want to thank you all for joining this call. I also want to thank the Business of Small College Athletics for the work you're doing. I believe you've been a sponsor since its inception, and it's just been a fantastic group to work with. Uh, personally, I'm also really excited to talk with you all today because I come from small college athletics. I played basketball for four years at Northern Michigan University, which is a, a Division II school in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, after college, I worked professionally in the UW-Madison Athletic Department and then moved to the nonprofit world to work for Coaches Versus Cancer before Mammoth and I crossed paths. For those of you that don't know, Mammoth is a full-service sports construction company located in Meriden, Kansas. I believe the population of Meriden is less than 1,000, but don't be deceived by our small-town roots. We have made quite a footprint across the U.S. and have done projects in 30 states uh, and experience on hundreds mm -hmm. of projects. We are proud partners with FieldTurf, which is a, the leader in synthetic, field in synthetic fields. Uh, FieldTurf offers the best and safest products out there, which is why they hold over 50% of the market share. They're trusted by the NFL, the SEC, the MIAA, Big 12, the list goes on. One of the things that makes Mammoth so special is our design build process. We use in-house licensed sports architects and engineers. Uh, and this allows for even more savings for our partners as design fees are absorbed by Mammoth rather than being paid for by our clients. General contractors charge large overhead fees to manage a project and then they sub the work out to us and then rely on our project management and expertise, which is why we kind of broke the traditional construction model and kind of went this design build process route. Uh, and in the end, it reduces the risk and cost for you while increasing speed, quality, and collaboration. Another great thing about the design build process is that the owner works with a single point of responsibility, which would be us. And on the back end, our designers and contractors work together in lockstep from beginning to end. As we head into the spring, we know this is a big decision-making time for many of you. And at Mammoth, we design and build sports facilities and fields all day, every day. Our goal is to come alongside you as a partner to keep projects on track, within scope, and within budget and even find ways to save you money, which we've done for many, many of our clients. Uh, so we'd love to talk more about any projects that you have in the pipeline or even just to be a resource for you. So feel free to call or text me on my cell phone or shoot me an email. I thought about saying it on the call here, but I'm just gonna put it in the chat because I think that that would be easier. Uh, you can find us on the web at www.mammothsports.com. Uh, again, thank you all so much for having me here today and I hope you all have a great holiday and stay healthy. Thank you, Lauren. To get us started today, please welcome the founder of the business of small college athletics, Jim Abbott. Jim. Thank you, John uh, and Lauren, thanks so much. It's, it's great to have you uh, 
here today. We're, I'm grateful to Mammoth and also to CEI Engineering for uh, sponsoring these virtual uh, professional development opportunities and really just supporting small colleges in general. Um, a few things before we start. First of all, I just encourage you to, to use the speaker view on your Zoom setting. Uh, I often enjoy sitting in meetings and watching what's happening in people's uh, backgrounds, whether it's their, their dogs running by or their kids or whatever. But um, I think if you're going to get the most out of this today, really being able to pay attention to our speakers is going to be important. Um, I've been in my position as athletic director at Oklahoma City University for 19 years. And when I started in my position, I will freely admit that I, I wasn't very well prepared. Um, as I have gone on in my job, one of the things I did a few years ago is I, I asked our human resources people to put together an anonymous survey of our coaches. And the reason I did it was I just really wanted to understand whether I was meeting, uh, meeting their needs or not. It was very insightful. I wondered why I hadn't thought to do it earlier. And really my entire hope um, today is that uh, we'll hear from some coaches and it might, uh, might help impact the way that you deal with your staff and the way that you work going forward. Uh, we're really fortunate to have three great coaches that are gonna share with us today. First one is Heather Macy. Heather is the head women's basketball coach at Greensboro College. Laura Duncan is the women's soccer coach at the University of New Haven. And Mike Feminis is the head football coach at St. Xavier University. So we have Division Three, Division Two, and NAI um, covered in our group. We're going to try to get started now uh, with our with our first topic and. Ask Heather Macy to lead us off. But the first question that I had really is what are the two or three most important expectations that you have as a head coach for your athletic director in terms of, of uh, their impact on your ability to do your job? So, Heather, will you start us off? Thank you, Jim, so much um, for having me. Really uh, honored to be here. I've been told many times when I'm um, speaking and with the group that I am a truth teller and I have been a part of college athletics at every level. Um, and so I think I have a diverse background enough that I can cross compare and, um, and give an honest assessment of the, the relationship between coaches and athletic directors uh, and the differences. So I'll, I'll answer that uh, from the vantage point of now I'm an assistant athletic director. So I've had about three months to uh, be on the other side and understand that you guys have a very, very, very tough job, all the athletic directors who are on the call and listen. But the first thing I think is super important from a coach's perspective is, is we want to know what the expectation is. And if you're wanting uh, to be a nationally recognized program, I think it's important uh, to tell the coach that's the expectation. And if the expectation is for uh, that program to have a incredible GPA and very active in the community, I think it's okay to explain. And then it's the coach's prerogative that that expectation matches what their goals are uh, and what that they're wanting to do within their program. And I, so, so number one thing for me is always around expectation. And then the, the second piece would be trust. 
is once you've hired a head coach, trust them to do their jobs um, and then actively communicate if they're doing what you, what you think is great. If you see them going down the wrong path, express that uh, before it's fatal involving their career. Laura, what are, what do you think are the two or three most important expectations that you have for an athletic director? I'm just quickly while I have your know, first moment speaking, Jim, thanks a lot for having us here and look forward to today's panel. point, I think expectations is obviously one of the most important areas. But to add to that, I would say making sure that it's realistic expectations. Um, you know, a lot of athletic directors' successes are built upon how successful their programs are. Um, but we also have to understand that, you know, programs are uh, budgeted and um, have different scholarship levels compared to the other programs within the conference. And, you know, they have to be able to perform at a certain level, but realistic to where they're possibly stacked up against other schools. Otherwise, you know, in my opinion, you're, you're basically setting them up to fail. Um, and I know we wouldn't want to do that with our student athletes. It's like asking one of our students to get to a certain level, which they physically maybe cannot do right now. Um, and we're basically setting them up to fail. So, you know, just to, just to come back to that. And I, I honestly think one of the things we'll hear over and over again, and I know it comes up in the next question is that, again, going back to communication and that constant understanding of what the athletic director is looking for and what, as coaches, what we're looking for to. Coach Feminist. Uh, Jim, thanks again for having me. This is, this is uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. and. Um, unlike Heather, uh, I, have, I have been in, in the NAI uh, since, I, since I started my college football playing career back in 1986. <laughs> so I've been, in, um, I've, I've been in Catholic schools since I was six years old in grade school, high school, and, and college. And um, I've been fortunate to be the head coach at St. Xavier now for, for 21 years. But um, again, just, just piggybacking on, on um, uh, what the, Laura said is communications key. Uh, that that's huge for us as coaches. We also we just want we don't we want to know the rules. So from a, from a, our standpoint, from my standpoint, I want to know how are we packaging kids? Um, are we on a scholarship average? Are we on a are we on a um, institutional aid package? Uh, can we stack need based grant? Can we stack merit money, academic money? How are we, when we recruit kids, how are we packaging them? How are we offering them? Uh, so on and so forth. You know, what's the housing policy? Uh, are, do kids have to live on campus? Uh, are they packaged differently than a, than a commuter? Um, so uh, what's my operating budget? You know, how much, uh, you know, do I have to fundraise? And if I'm fundraising, is that fundraising to, to support my operating budget? Um, is it uh, to en enhance our stadium, our facilities. Uh, I just want to know what the what the rules are, what the expectations are, and then, you know, kind of kind of go from there. Well, all three of you have talked about communication, and um, I'm really kind of interested to hear, you know, in terms of uh, communication, what are your expectations? Do you guys prefer sort of regular one-on-one -on -one meetings. Uh, I know Heather at least mentioned trust your coach and kind of turn them loose, but talk a little bit about um, the specifics of communication, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, how often, staff meetings, those kinds of things. And Laura, would you lead us off on this question? Sure. Um, 
In my personal opinion, I don't really think you can over-communicate. I think the issue is sometimes you can under-communicate and that's when some lines can get blurred or the levels of communication and understanding can get a little bit blurred. Um, you know, when we talk about expectations of athletic directors and, and we like to sometimes think that, you know, they have a coaching background, I think this is where communication comes into where we relate to how we treat our athletes. Um, if every single one of our meetings with, with our athlete was formal and semi-intimidating, I don't think we'd also be able to build a relationship with those players. And for our players to perform, we also need a little bit of informal communication with them too. We need to get to know them. We need to understand, you know, what, what sparks them, what gets them going. And not everything is done in that in a formal setting like that to really get to know someone so I think it's a combination of both I don't think there's you know one way or another to do it I think you definitely need some formal communication where that's where basically expectations are laid out and and what we're looking for but informal conversations too where you know you you want the athletes to enjoy playing a sport the ADs want us to enjoy doing our job so that's where the enjoyment comes in when you get to know them a little bit more on a personal level and you know you, you start to create those informal communications. So again, I don't think there's necessarily you know a, a set schedule that there should be once a week staff meeting or every other week. I just think when there's communication that needs to be had, it needs to be had. Um, and again, the more the better. I mean, even from our own experience right now, we're transitioning with a new AD, um, and there hasn't been a lot. You know, we're not physically on campus as much, so there hasn't been as much interaction but he right now takes the effort just to do a weekly staff meeting and sometimes it's you know it really has lasted nine minutes we've timed it and it's lasted nine minutes but it really is just to check in see each other's faces especially in today where we're not having that personal interaction with each other um, maybe just say hi hey coaches what have you been up to this week tell us a story and then we move on even if there's real no you know business to be had but um, I just think you know the more you can communicate the better at this stage. Coach Feminist, what, uh, what are your preferences regarding communication? Well, my, I, my first thing is I, I don't like to have meetings just to have meetings. Um, I, I do like the idea um, uh, in, in, the, in the past, we would have, uh, you know, maybe two or three department meetings a, a semester, uh, once a month or every six weeks or so. And, and a lot of it's just to get everybody together, you know, because everybody is, you know, you're busy with your season, you're busy with recruiting, everybody's going a million ways and it's just a, it's a way to get everybody together for, for a brief time. Um, as far as one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings and regular one-on-one -on -one meetings, uh, I'll be honest with you, with us, you know, our season's in the fall usually. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I'm, that's a really, really busy time for me. Um, I'm gonna do whatever my athletic director says me. If, if, if he or she wants to meet with me once a week, then then that's what's going to happen because because he or she's my boss. And um, but for me, um, I I would prefer not to have a, a lot of one on one meetings. Um, uh, but with that said, uh, the communication process uh, to me always needs to be open. If I if I have a a question or a, an issue that that I think needs to be addressed, um, then you know, whether it's a, a text or knocking on the door and, and saying I have a, a question, um, you know, I, I expect to, to be able to, you know, get follow through on that and vice versa. You know, if there's a, if there's an issue that, that my boss has with me, um, you know, text me, knock on my door, email me, whatever it is. And, and um, you know, I think the expectation goes, goes both ways. And you just want that, you know, you want that support. Heather, how about you? Well, first, I would say that communication is a skill. 
And just as in, in coaching, as we communicate with our players and we communicate with our recruits, the understanding, um, the feel of proper ways to communicate is very important. The, the other thing I would say from a, a coach's standpoint is we need to manage up as head coaches and understand that our athletic director shouldn't have to adjust to what we feel like is the best communication style. We should actually adapt to what their communication style is. Now saying that an, a more experienced coach is probably gonna require way less maintenance, uh, probably less one-on-one -on -one individual formal meetings relative to a young head coach where, where they may need a couple more touches no different than a player would. Uh, and coaches, I think we have a good feel for that. A kid that's been in your program four years versus a newcomer, two separate things and how we handle it. Um, but again, meetings, just to have meetings, probably bad policy. I think we all think we're busy, even when we're really not that busy. Everybody thinks we're super busy. So I, I think that's just part of society. We love to say how busy we are um, when in actuality it's probably managing priorities. Uh, more so, but if, if something can be communicated quickly, I think an email is appropriate uh, for a timing. And then I think sometimes you got to have to go to lunch with someone and develop that relationship. Um, and, and then at the same time, I think having staff meetings are very important because it is allowing uh, camaraderie and connection and a family atmosphere being built within an athletic department. I want to tell all three of you before we go to the next question, I, I love sort of the image that you put together there. And what you said is that you as a coach have to manage your group of student athletes and, and you do that in lots of different ways. Um, and that you would hope that athletic directors would understand that they're the head coach of the coaching staff and, and they're going to have to realize that uh, there are lots of, of different ways to approach that. So I, I really uh, enjoy that perspective. Um, the next question that I have, and, and uh, Coach Feminist, I'm going to start with you. Um, do you all complete or have regular annual performance evaluations? And if you do, what, is it something you like? And what do you expect to get out of that? Coach Feminist? Sure. Well, for... For my first 19 years, we did. We had an annual uh, performance evaluation. Um, we didn't this past year, and I, I'm not sure if if that was, you know, a, a COVID-related reason because, you know, everything was so different. We we weren't on campus much, um, but this was the first year in my, in my 20 that uh, we did not have it. Um, I can tell you the the style of our our previous AD Bob Hallberg, who some of you. May have known Bob was a, was a great guy. He passed away a year ago of cancer, but um, he was not a big fan of the performance evaluations. Um, that was kind of a mandate from above, and, and and obviously Bob was great about doing whatever he was mandated to do. Um, um, but his philosophy, and I kind of I kind of feel the same way from a coaching standpoint, was um, he felt like giving the evaluation at the end of, at the end of the year. Um, was not the best idea. If he was having a problem with a coach or if he thought a coach wasn't performing um, in, in whatever it was, uh, he'd bring him in or her in and say, you know, I have concerns about this and, and I want to discuss it and, and let's deal with it now. He was more, he was more into, you know, if, if there was a problem or an issue to dealing with it at that time versus at the end of the year saying, okay, this is what you did back in July or August. And, and, 
Um, and I feel the same way. If I have a, if I have a, uh, an issue with one of my coaches, um, you know, I give them a ton of responsibility, but I, I tell them at our very first meeting um, that if, if I have an issue with something, um, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you in and we're going to talk about it and we're going to hash it out and hopefully we're going to fix the problem. Heather, how about you? Well, I've been at different institutions that, that have done it multiple ways, but I, I can tell you the way I would see it is when I had a performance evaluation at the end of the year, I looked at it as the ability to have some face time with my athletic director um, to be able to really talk about the inner workings of whether it be the staff or the team or the, the direction of the program. A lot of times, I think the performance evaluation is just checking the box to say that you did that from an HR perspective. Um, and I think you can feel that from the administrator uh, versus a, a performance evaluation that they're actually making decisions based upon. I think you need to pay attention uh, to which vantage point that is. But I think it's also just a great opportunity to pick the brain of, of your boss to say, do you like the direction we're going? How do you feel? Do, you know, are we changing the trajectory? So I, I think, again, it goes back to it's opening up lines of communication and especially athletic directors that then maybe it's a large enough place that you don't see them all the time and you deal, maybe your direct report is to an assistant AD, that it does allow um, some face time with your athletic director. So I think it can be a good thing based upon how it's utilized. Laura, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree with both um, Heather and Michael. There's definitely pros and cons to both of it. Um, going back to a co coach's perspective on evaluations, you know, we do them obviously with our players at the end of the year. And one thing we always address is timing. So think about the timing of your evaluation. If we've just come off of a tremendous season and we, we ask the kids to do an evaluation of the program and the coaching staff and their teammates right after season, a good season, it's going to be more positive. You reverse that coming off of an awful season and you ask the kids to do the evaluation and we're the same type of coach, we're the same people, they're the same teammates, it's the same program, but we might not have been successful. Chances are that evaluation is going to be very, very different um, just based upon their internal feelings, which a lot of the times come out in evaluations. So I think as far as Heather said, is to have the ability with the, to have, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with the administration and the evaluations allow that. I do think it's also important with what Michael said too, to kind of pick and choose the time to do it. Do you do it right after season? Do you do it after the full academic year where there's so many other factors that have come into play? Or we've talked about before too, do you do more than one evaluation? Do there has to be one formal evaluation because most program seasons, you know, I know some crossover semesters, but soccer, for example, we're just in the fall. But what we concentrate on and try to do in the fall, I know it's wins and losses, but takes away everything that our program does in the fall as far as the community service goes and the community engagement um, and, and, other, and other stuff that we also concentrate on, the, on in the spring. So what's the evaluation really about and when should it be conducted also? I think those are great points. I, personally, I've been a fan of evaluations. I, I want to say clearly that I also, as an athletic director, I, I, don't, I don't just see it as an opportunity to point out weaknesses or room for improvement. I, I see it as an opportunity to applaud uh, efforts. Um, I know often for coaches, winning and losing is, is perhaps the most important thing, but I, as we're thinking about it from a broad-based perspective, um, I do see it as an opportunity for a longer conversation. Uh, not only a chance to sort of look back at what's been accomplished, 
uh, but also to maybe look ahead a little bit about where are we going from here. So uh, it is, it's great to hear your perspective. And I, and I think Laura, to you in particular, uh, it is a little peculiar that seven months after your season's ended, I will call you in to evaluate how your season went and, and uh, that ended seven months ago. So that is definitely food for thought for me. Um, the thing that I like to try to do with our coaches and particularly during, during that evaluation process is talk about goals. So I want to hear from a coaching perspective, what role uh, you think an athletic administrator ought to play in helping to set the goals for your program and, and maybe um, helping to define for you what success might be. And uh, Heather, would you start us off on this one? I'd be glad to. Um, I think it makes a difference if the athletic director has hired you. And so if they did, you probably had a lot of those discussions uh, through that process. And then, then you would have known, is there alignment is there alignment in, in where the coach is um, mentally, where the coach is relative in their career to what the athletic department really wants uh, from that position? So I, I always think it's better if that's happened before you take a job, uh, because the worst is when you're already at an institution and you go through an administrative change. And we know that the administrative change can happen at the AD level and as well as the president level. And then all of a sudden the goals and the expectations change for that coach. And so I think it's important that the coaches are able to be adaptable and the coaches are also able to be courageous enough that if the expectation or the goals that are set administratively do not match yours, you may need to look for somewhere else to be. Um, and then also be adaptable enough to know that I took the job under this precedent. I took the job and these were the expectations, these were the goals and they changed. And are you willing to to adapt to the change. I think the worst thing happens is when the coaches are unwilling to adapt uh, to what those goals are. So yes, I would, I would imagine that the coaches are gonna need to be very adaptable. That's great, Heather. Laura, what do you think? Yeah, Heather, definitely agree on the, the you know part of adaptability. I mean, I think that just comes with coaching anyway, right? I mean, every, every game we go out there to coach, unfortunately, doesn't always go the way we planned. And we, we constantly have to think on our toes and, and adapt to every situation we're in. Um, I think it's important that the athletic administrators do play a role in setting the goals with us. Obviously, as coaches, you know, we, we all want to win and we have goals to win, but Again, it also goes back to realistic expectations that, again, are they expecting a certain level of achievement out of us that aligns with one, our conference, two, our region, and two, with us and three of us nationally. So sometimes as, as coaches, you know, we, we go gun to the metal, we want to go, we want to win, but sometimes the athletic directors are also better at, hey, all right, listen, this is where you sit right now within the conference. This is where you sit regionally and this is where you sit nationally. So this is what we want from you. Especially, I think sometimes, um, you know, when it's younger and newer coaches that have come in to, into the department and might not necessarily understand where their program is at. And again, we don't want to, no one wants to be set up to fail, right? So the same thing is going back to, as what I said before, is I also need my athletic director to set goals for me that are slightly above what I can achieve because we obviously want to push ourselves, but... I also don't want to be sitting here at the end of the season where, you know, I was expected to win a national championship and we're in a level where we can't make the conference playoffs. So I do think, again, um, having the administration involved in goal setting is very important, but it also goes back down to realistic expectations too. Mike, what are your thoughts? 
I think Heather and Laura hit on just just about everything, and it comes with. Um, and again, you know, when Heather mentioned as a coach, when you get when you get hired uh, by an AD, you know, hopefully you have you have those answers as far as what their expectations are. Um, you, you know, as far as how competitive do you want to be? Do you want to be competitive at the at the conference level, at the regional level, at the national level? Um, you should know that going in into a job. But I'll, I'll even go one step further. You know, it, it may not be the athletic administration that decides that. You know, you may have a, a president of a university that says, "I want to have the I want to have the best college small college football program in the country," and uh, you can make a decision to say, "Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna be average in all the other sports, but we're gonna be really really good in football, or we're really really gonna be good in lacrosse and 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 not so much in the other things." So sometimes it it a lot of times it goes a, above the athletic director as far as the expectation um, uh, of their of their different teams. But um, to me, I just think it's uh, there should be an expectation where the, the athletic director is very clear, very transparent on, on what the expectations are for for each sport before they, you know, be, before that person's hired. Uh, that, that's terrific. I think we're all looking for that president who wants to be really good at everything. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know they, if anybody knows that person. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're getting harder to find, I'll tell you that, but that just goes to deal with the challenges that we face at small colleges in general. Um, well, let's talk, let's talk about um, challenges that, that we've had, that you all have had with athletic administrators. And um, so if you're willing, share some of the challenges that you've had and, and what could have maybe helped to avoid some of those challenges. And, and Laura, will you kick us off on this one? Sure. Um, I think, you know, this is a, it's a touchy subject in regards to, you know, how, how you approach it um, in regards to, again, not to bring up specific stories and throw people under the bus, but the reality is I think there's always going to be, um, you know, a different line between sometimes what coaches expect and what some, you know, administration expect. But again, going back to communication, the more we communicate, hopefully the more we can bridge that gap a little bit. But um, just, you know, being in a couple of different departments and some different administrations, um, some of the, you know, some of the areas we, we've seen and even being involved in the hiring process is first of all is, you know, why does, why does the administration want to be here? Why does the athletic director want to be at our school? Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with being, transparent about why you know some of them it is it could be a first athletic director job at a smaller school and they're looking to move on which again is okay they ask coaches that you know do you want to be here for five years 10 years 20 years and I think the more honest you are in that process you know the better understanding you have of each other so why do they want to be here do they want to be here to better the university or do they want to be here to better themselves and I think sometimes that is going to create two different types of athletic directors also so what are they doing to help you versus doing to help themselves um, I think there can be a combination of both again going back to them coming in for a, you know anywhere from a three to eight year period to achieve something good make better programs build buildings raise money and move on that's great we're all at the benefit of that also as coaches but how do they go about doing that and again are they using the coaches to benefit themselves or are they are they using the university to benefit themselves um, you know, and that, that sometimes goes down to, you know, integrity too. Um, who is this athletic director and where have they come from in the past? Again, why are they here? Why have they left previous positions? Um, and, you know, if there is a history and a past behind them, how are they now dealing with it? And how are they now, and who are they now 
um, when there are affiliated directors? Are they who we think they are or who are they trying to be? So again, uh, you know, everyone's got a side to them, but I really think it's again, being transparent and, and being the best version of themselves they can be so that we can respect them for who they are also. Excellent. Mike, how about you? What are, what are some challenges that you faced and what could have maybe happened to avoid those challenges? Uh, I, well, I may, I may be in a little bit more unique situation um, from, I had the same athletic director for, for 19 years. And, um, you know, we had, we've had, uh, we, we hired a new one a, a year and a half ago. And, and again, I think I'll go back to, to the magic word for everybody here, I think is, is, is communication. And um, I, I think uh, communication and transparency are, are the most important things that, that you would want as a, as a coach. And um, whether whether we are talking about uh, competition, uh, competitiveness, whether you're talking about uh, fundraising, what's the expectation there? Are we am I fundraising just for my program, fundraising for uh, the entire athletic department? Uh, you know, where's all that money going? Uh, questions that we have as coaches. Uh, need to be need to, to be answered, um, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be answered the way we want them to be answered. Because uh, again, just like the athletic director has a boss, we have a boss, and you got and you have to respect that. Heather, how about you? Well, I'm going to answer this kind of like I do recruiting. It's always sunny in Greensboro, and it never rains. Um, so I, I want to take this on a positive, but but I also want to say, think through it as far as is that a decision that the coach makes or the, is that an administrative decision? See, that's where I think the point of conflict um, comes into play is when a head coach loses their confidence because they don't feel like they're the decision maker inside their program. And so when it becomes an administrative led uh, program, I, I think the worst thing you can do is have a coach that isn't confident. So as an administrator, having some awareness of things that it needs to be the coach's call or that's an administrative call. And then the coach has very clear and understands, I need to call my AD before I answer that question. Uh, I think that that, is, that will prevent a ton of conflict and it will also be a bridge uh, to the gap because I think when you start getting head coaches and athletic administrators working together and look like they're on the same team, then really in small colleges, you can accomplish so much more. But if you have a division to where you have the head coaches on one side and administrators on the other, you're not gonna get anywhere. And you know, you cannot fight internally because there's already other odds that are against us. So I believe we've got to pull in the same direction. And when we do, it can always be sunny um, as far as between the head coach and the athletic directors. I think that's great. I, I want to remind our audience uh, to utilize the chat if you have questions. We have one or two more topics we're going to discuss, but I really want to want to hit some of the questions that people out there might have. So please use the chat for that at the bottom of the screen. Um, I'm wondering, uh, I know in my own department, sometimes coaches uh, will go to someone other than me. They may not want to come to the athletic director with with a certain issue and, and they may go to some of our other administrators. Um, uh, is true in your case? And if so, um, you know, what might some of those issues be and who might you rely on in those cases? And, and Mike, I think I'll start with you on this one. 
Okay, well, um, since I'm one of the, the elder statesmen of our athletic department, it's usually the other way around. <laughs> I, if, if somebody has a, a question about uh, whether it's admissions, financial aid, uh, whatever it is, um, uh, I, I get asked those questions a lot. Um, but for me, um, the, the, the person and persons that, that I relied on for, for 20 years that uh, if I didn't want to bother my, my boss with it would be our office manager. Um, uh, th those, those ladies are irreplaceable. And, uh, you know, whether, uh, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, travel with, uh, your, you know, your, your chartered buses or, uh, recruiting or, or, uh, you know, the, the NAI website, what, whatever, whatever it is, um, operating budgets, things like that, uh, they usually had the answers for me. And, and I just, uh, I, I, I think they were invaluable to us. Heather, how about you? So I'm a big chain of command person. And so I only want to take issues or concerns to the people who can be the solution, who have the solution to the problem. And I also want to be very cautious uh, with the dynamics internally in an athletic department where it, it's not a, a gossip or maybe it's uh, hurting us relative to productivity that day. So I think all coaches should have what I call a kitchen cabinet which is basically your, your advisors, your mentors, the people that you lean on within the industry uh, that you feel like that you can trust. They'll tell you the truth. You have to give them permission to tell the truth. And the reason I term it a kitchen cabinet is because I think you have to have diversity in there. You, you don't want everybody who just tells you that you're, the, you're right. And, and you don't want everybody who thinks like you. So you want to have multiple viewpoints so that you can get all of the data. And after you have all suggestions and all ideas, uh, them better handle um, an issue or a communication instead of what potentially could cause uh, issues with inside an athletic department. That's great. Laura, how about you? Yeah, my lines are, are very, uh, well, very similar to along the lines of Heather. Um, you know, two areas for me. One is who can help solve the problem that you have without having to bounce the two to three different people, whether, whether it's the person who should be in charge of that Part, whether it's facilities, travel, whatever the case is. Um, sometimes it's just easier to go to the person that's going to make your day a little bit easier too. But um, my other part to touch a little bit with what Heather said too is for me, it's my, my judgment-free zone. Um, who can I go talk to about an issue or a concern or just advice that then I don't think it's necessarily going to come back to bite me in the butt later? You know, is, are they then going to pass on my concerns to someone else? And all of a sudden this has turned into, oh, Coach Duncan has, has a problem within our program um, because they've decided to pass our issues on further. Or can we just sit and talk with someone I trust? Again, think will tell me the good, bad, all the ugly, not just what I want to hear, but it kind of stays within us because I went to them as a personal confidant too, versus, you know, it needs to travel amongst the administration. Obviously, if it's a bigger issue, then you would assume anyway, if it's an issue that should go higher up, I'm going to go to the person it really should go to. But, but just that general day stuff or, you know, personal advice or program advice um, is I'm going to my judgment free person. Okay. I want to. I'm going to go to a question from the chat um, that that we've received, and just remind folks: if you have questions you want to pose to the coaches, please, please put them out there. But this comes from Kim Strabel, and Heather. I'm going to start with you, and here's the question: Do you, as coaches, believe it is part of your responsibility to share in creating your athletic department cu culture 
or do you believe that's more of the AD's responsibility? If you think it's important to share the responsibility, how do you go about inspiring your coaching peers? So the question is about building culture within the department and what, the, what your role as a coach uh, is in that. Heather, you wanna start? Well, first off, Kim Strabel's the best AD I've ever worked for. Let me start there, Jim, uh, <laughs> with that. And what a great question. I hope I can do um, a decent job answering it. My first thought as I heard that question was, I wanna be like the player I wanna coach. I think that is a great way to walk into an athletic department every day. Like, don't be the selfish player on your team. Or, or don't, don't, be the don't be the player that causes all the behind the scenes problem in the locker room. And so be the player you wanna coach as a human being inside an athletic department. I do believe that the culture happens at the top and it does with my basketball team. So I set, I have a blueprint on how I would like to run my program. I set the culture and then I recruit players that fit. I talk about fitting the blueprint of what we wanna do. And they, to be a part of this, you have to conform from a staffing as well as from a player perspective. And I, and I would imagine, um, you know, I've never been an athletic director to where I was, you know, in charge of that. But by my initial gut instinct is the standards, the core values, they are set at the top. And then the head coaches, we need to be good players in that to help build a strong culture within that athletic department. Uh, Laura? Yeah, I, I go back to it. I mean, absolutely to start with, um, we need to be responsible for carrying out the culture that the AD is looking to set. And I go back to using the word captain, right? So, you know, we have the athletic director who's the head coach um, and he picks captains and that's his coaches. And as coaches, we pick captains of our team who we think can bridge the gap between ourselves and our players that kind of help carry our expectations, our culture, like Heather said, the blueprint into the players because, you know, as coaches, we obviously have a lot of influence over our players, but sometimes a player has more influence on a player also because they're with each other. They're their actual peers. So we need to pick the right captain that is going to carry our message forward to our players when we're not present, exactly as the athletic director does. When he is not present or the administration is not present, as, as their captains, we are continuing his culture or whatever it is they're looking for amongst our assistant coaches and our peer coaches and, and external people that, you know, work in athletics. I mean, we're going bigger. We work with, you know, financial aid. You work with people from admissions. I mean, I think it's important that everybody is part of the same blueprint. Um, you know, admissions help us bring players in, but we need them to bring the right ones in also. So again, we need to be very um, transparent with admissions people. These are the type of people we're looking to come to school here. Here's our grades, here's our GPAs, here's our backgrounds, here's our extra credit and so forth. So yeah, without a doubt, I mean, I think it's a full responsibility, but it does need to stem from the top. Mike, how about you? Um, I do think it, it needs to start from the top. I also, I think um, it, it needs complete buy-in from, from all the coaches. I know from my standpoint, I always felt this way because, uh, you know, Foot, football is is obviously the most visible sport of, of, of any. So because of the, the roster size and and the, the interest level and, and things like that. So um, we talk to our players all the time about, you know, make sure you understand when you're making decisions, you're, you're representing not only yourself and your family, but the our athletic department, our program and the university. And it really, it really, for, 
in my way of thinking, it's always started with, with us, uh, with the football program. So if we were doing things the right way, if we had uh, certain expectations of our players, um, for me, I always felt like it, it kind of trickled down to, to the rest of the sports teams because everybody was watching us and, and how we did things and how we conduct ourselves. So I, I've always taken it personal uh, to make sure that, that we're doing things the right way and, and we're creating the, the, the right culture within our own team. And, and hopefully, um, you know, that transparency is, is, is seen and, and, and done with, with the other sports teams. Yeah, I think I think that's great. I think one of the challenges that I see sometimes is just uh, as much as I want our staff to be all for one and one for all. Um, the reality is that the soccer coach's job is not impacted by a successful baseball season. Uh, and the baseball coach's job is not impacted based on what's happening in women's basketball and and as much as I feel like I, I want to make sure we're all in it together and we all um, uh, support one another, I, I kind of come to that realization that that your livelihood depends on your team and the actions of your team. And and what I want to try to do culturally, I, you know, I just think culture are those little things that you do every day. And for me, they've got to be pointed toward the mission of the university. And my job as the athletic director is to is to make sure that we don't stray from that. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about around here often is earning it. Uh, that it doesn't matter what you've done before. Uh, we got to show up every day and earn it. And um, and I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I hope that that has kind of filled the culture of our athletic department and the way we approach things. Um, but I will tell you, and, and my next question, which I think will be the last here, uh, comes with dealing with change. Um, so we've talked, you know, Laura talked earlier about uh, wanting athletic directors to be honest. Are you here for the long run? Are you here looking to go to your next job? Um, but, a, but a big challenge for all of us is um, that sometimes the rules change. Um, I have coaches on my staff who have been here 30 years. I've been here 19. And for many of those coaches 30 years ago, really their only priority was to win. Um, and we, we did that pretty well. Um, but more so as time has gone on, we have really faced some changes that, that, that make winning harder. I'll just, I'll just say it bluntly. Um, Things like building bigger rosters, attracting more students to campus, um, budgets that don't keep up with, with expenses, um, more pressure on fundraising. And so um, I think to kind of finish things out here, I'd like to have you guys talk about some of the changes you faced uh, in your tenure as a coach, maybe how that was communicated by your athletic director and and how you've uh, tried to work together, I guess, to overcome them. So, uh, Laura, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start with this one, but um, talk a little bit about some of the changes you faced and and how you've tried to work together to deal with them. Yeah, um, listen, I've so I'm actually just going into year eleven at the University of New Haven, um, and I'm actually on my fourth athletic director in that eleven year span. Um, 
first athletic director who actually hired me was there for the most of it. I think I was under her for seven or eight years. Um, so there was definitely some consistency. We knew exactly, you know, what was expected from us and our program, because obviously she had also been at the university for 42 years. So knew the university very, very well, obviously better than any of us could. Um, then we did have a, a couple of quick turnarounds. Um, we had two athletic directors that came in for about six months each. And, and I think the, the issue there or the, what made it hard was, again, one, their reason being there. Um, to a little bit their lack of knowledge of, of what the University of New Haven was about and what we were able to achieve and what, you know, what the mission of the university stood for. Um, and now, you know, we're on our fourth who, who is, like I said before, has kind of come in with a pretty clear picture. Um, you know, we knew when he was being hired, he's been brought in to transition, tried to transition us to the division one level. So we knew that from the get go and it's been very transparent what his roles and responsibilities are. Um, he's been very open about it and he knows what his goal and time frame is and what, what he's here to achieve. Um, and obviously, if he achieves what he's been hired to do, we're going to be better off. Right. But we're, but we've all been given that option. Hey, you're coming along for the ride or you're not versus kind of this happening behind us and and kind of keeping us in the dark or as if we weren't really know what was going on. But what I think has been so beneficial was from from basically the day he was hired, it was made you know public in an announcement. This is why he's here and this is what direction we're going in. So we know that as coaches. So we, we choose to stay or don't, you know, which is, is nice to be given that option versus blindsided. Mike, how about you? What are what are some of the changes you've dealt with and and how has that worked working with your athletic director to try to overcome them? Well, again, I, I was in a situation that we had the same athletic director for, for 19 years. Um, and um, uh, we hired Allison a year and a half ago. And, you know, the one thing is when, when somebody new comes in, they, they've got their own ideas too. And they want to put a, a stamp on, on, on things too. And I, I believe, I don't know if it was, um, I forgot if it was the Lord that, that said this earlier, but you know, you got to decide as a coach when that, when, when you have a new boss, you're, you're either, you know, you certainly voice your opinion on things, whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one meeting or staff meeting, whatever it is. Uh, I, I think Heather said this, but, but you got to decide if, if you're going to go along with this, if you're going to, if you're going to still be able to enjoy your job and you know what, if you, if you, if the answer is no, then maybe it's time for you to move on. And um, so I, I think the, the one thing you just want is you, you want transparency. You want to, uh, again, the, the, the communication is always, always the key, but um, it, it's our, it, to me, it's, it's our job as coaches to, to be able to accept change. You know, there's, there's, if I hire a, a new offensive coordinator tomorrow and, and he, he wants to run, run to wishbone and, and, and instead of spread, well, and I'm hiring him, then, then okay, then I, then I go along with it. But uh, you've, you've got to be willing to accept change. And if you're not, if you're, if you're going to be stubborn about it and you're going to fight it, uh, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for the department. It's not healthy for you. Um, and it's not healthy for, for your new boss. Heather, I'm going to I'm going to end by letting you answer this question. And before you do, I'm going to tell you uh, or just reiterate change is not just a new athletic director. Change could be budget cuts or any sort of other issue that you've had to deal with. So talk a little bit about uh, in your experience how that has worked and, and maybe working with your athletic director to overcome them. 
Well, when you sign up to be in college athletics, you have to anticipate there's going to be a ton of change and it's never going to be the same day. And that's part of, I think, why we wanted to be in college athletics is we didn't want to show up every day at the exact same time and punch a clock and leave at the exact same time. So if, if you have the inability to adapt and if you do not have the inability to adapt and change, you need to be aware of college athletics is the wrong spot. And then you need to be able to adjust to change quickly. I think the beauty lies in when you, you're able to anticipate it and see it coming. I think very rarely uh, we get surprised with the budget cut. I mean, those are things that you can see it coming. There, there's other signs, right? There's symptoms of the budget cut, cut is happening or there's gonna be personnel changes if you're paying attention. But too many of us get so busy with our to-do list that we're unaware of the environment in which we're in to be able to anticipate the change. So I think you gotta learn the rules of the game and then you have to be able to play that. And especially if you're wanting to hunker down and make the current position you're in be a long-term position, then you need to work every single day like it is, but understand that it may not be. And the best we can do, I think, to be able to lay our heads on the pillow at night and sleep well is to every single day, work like it's our last day there and we wanna leave it better than we found it. And I think if you do that every day, then you can have a rewarding career and feel like that you're you're filled up in college athletics. But my quick my quick thought is anticipate the change and be ready to adapt quickly. I think that's great. Uh, you know, now more than ever we are dealing with change. You know, we've, we're all taking our temperature every day and we're figuring out when we can come to campus and can't come to campus and. And I agree that there are some things uh, that you can anticipate and, and deal with. Um, I've got one more question here, if I, can, if I can get to it. Let me see, we've got about five minutes, so let's see if we can do this. Um, okay, this comes from David Wilson. I'm part of a relatively new administrative staff now in our second year. We're looking at changing an old model for scholarship allocation. We have non-competitive programs receiving more money uh, than historic powerhouse programs. How do we effectively communicate to all our coaches what we feel are necessary changes to give our winning programs the funds they need while scaring back funds for programs that are not meeting expectations? All right, Laura, this sounds like this is up your alley a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you and see if you can how should an AD communicate to their staff changes in scholarship models? You're, oh, you're muted. Sorry about that. My dogs were barking in the background, so I had to mute myself. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, I think at the end of the day, it still just comes down to communication. I need to hear if there's any changes positive or negative for my scholarship budget that I need to hear it from my AD before I hear it from anybody else. And I think that sometimes, like you said, as Heather said, right, we've got to expect change, um, whether it is good or bad. But I think what happens more often due to lack of communication, sometimes we hear about those changes from people that we shouldn't actually hear it from. Like I'm going to hear from another coach that my program's getting, you know, adjusted in some way before I hear it from the administration. And why is that? Because, you know, somebody's talking to somebody because somebody's talking to somebody. So, which we know happens, but again, um, I just think 
you know, if, if it's especially information that is negatively going to impact a program, it needs to come from the top source before anybody else hears it. I think that's great. Heather or Mike, do you have an opinion on that? Uh, I'll go, Heather. <laughs> um, I, I agree. Again, I think it, it gets back into transparency. And I think the athletic director owes that to uh, uh, is there her coaches? Um, and again, at St. Xavier, I don't know how it is it at the other schools is, 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 you know, we had tiers, we had, we had three different tiers of, of teams and, um, uh, Bob was very transparent about that, you know, and, and these were, uh, there are, there's this program, this program that, that they, they, the goal was to compete at the national level. Uh, there was another tier that uh, they, they wanted to compete at the, the conference or regional level. And then there's another tier that, that it, it was more important to make sure you, you met your recruiting goals and, and you're going to get enough scholarship money to be competitive, uh, but probably not compete at, at the national level. And as to me, again, it's all about what, as a coach, you just want to know the rules and, and going into that job, if you don't like those rules, uh, if you don't like those expectations, then maybe it's not the place for you. But again, you're just looking for, for transparency. Heather, do you have a quick comment? Well, you know, if you're going to have a tough conversation with a coach, you can at least take them to a steak dinner, buy them a <laughs> beer or something, right? Before you have to lay that, <laughs> lay that news out. Um, but but it is in all seriousness, I mean, I think it is about the way you present it to the coach. And especially if, as an athletic director, it's a coach you want to retain. I think it's much different if it's a coach that you, you know, you'd like to make a change with, but if you want to keep that coach there, you know, I think that there's compromise. I think it's been presentation and how you're breaking the news and maybe there's some other area that, that you can help their program out with relative to where you just decreased it in another area. Yeah, I, those are all great points. I'll just say in my case, um, we haven't, we haven't really taken that approach so much as we have had cuts to our scholarship budget. And, and so the way that I, I did it is I, I discussed it with our group of coaches. I discussed it with our entire staff. And then I met individually with coaches to make sure they understood what position, where they were going to be. Um, and I'm aware when that occurs that, that, that's a big change that a coach could say, look, that's not what I signed up for and, and may make the decision at that point that I want to go somewhere else that I perceive to give me a better opportunity. Um, I don't want that to happen, um, but I agree with each of you. I think what each of you said is, is this is where communication is, is important. And it's not the kind of thing that you sneak around on. It's the kind of thing that you got to meet, uh, in a straightforward way, um, uh, knowing, unfortunately, and this is often the case for, for administrators and coaches, unfortunately, you know, oftentimes what you're communicating is not going to be what somebody wants to hear um, as part of the job. Well, um, an hour has flown by, and I sort of feel like uh, I've had the chance to hang out with these guys of other times and exchange some emails and let me just tell you what most of you out there already know um, we'd all like to have a Heather Macy or Laura Duncan or Mike Feminist on our staff um, veteran coaches who have been there and done that and uh, so 
as we kind of close today, I want to thank you guys so much for your time and for sharing your insight. Um, uh, I have certainly grown and I know that our group has as well. Um, I want to wish everyone happy holidays and, and enjoy uh, uh, Christmas coming up and we'll be back again in January for another Bosca Presents session and finally thanks again to Mammoth Construction and CEI Engineering for hosting today's event. Thanks so much for being with us.